This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to a bonus episode of the Super J Cast. We wanted to get one in there before the G1 block finals. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonald. How are you doing, mate? We are good. Uh, Joel was just waking up. We we our sleep schedules are all fucked up, and it's all because of you guys. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, we figured we'd get one in. It's uh, it's important. There's a lot of good wrestling that we just saw. That I'm excited to talk about. I know Joel is too. So uh, it's pr- probably going to be, I say this now, it's probably going to be very little nonsense and very little, uh, you know, going off course. But then I, then I know we're in for a four hour. <laughs> My friends are going to be texting me, where are you, dude? <laughs> I'm still doing a podcast. It's midnight. Yeah, I'll try and keep the shenanigans to a minimum because I'm going to the beach today. You're going out with your mates. We've got stuff to do. So we'll try and keep this one short. First of all, to open up, uh, TJ has sent an interesting tweet our way, which I have sent you on WhatsApp. This is from at SOS Wrestle Talk with G1 Climax 29 competitors as young boys, aka earlier in their respective careers. So have a look at this. Tell me who is standing out to you. Look at these handsome young guys. Jeez Louise. Look at Fale. I mean, Fale looks like he's... Uh... Looks like he's hanging out at the pub, you know. I'm waiting for him to wear his uh, Adidas tracksuit, <laughs> you know, trying to sell a gram or two, right? <laughs> he looks like one of those guys. Shingo with the mullet. Look at that fucking thing rocking, right? Uh, Tanahashi, holy shit. I, I mean, look, you go back in time and, and look. Oh, my God, Jay White looks like a kid. He looks like a 12-year-old kid, right? He's got a skateboard. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> holy shit, look at... um. Well, Nick Zach, Lincoln Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Zach's, you know, Zach emo boy. Um, yeah, he's he's probably Lincoln. Listen to this on Lincoln Park. No, Jay uh, White is doing Lincoln Park. Zach, okay. Zach, Zach, Zach a little is bit more emo. Lincoln Park. Brian Eno. Yeah. yeah, Brian Eno. <laughs> okay, we're going that far. That far, back far. I'm I'm thinking more along the lines of, uh, uh like the somethings. A- those bands that yeah. have the and then. A plural noun. <laughs> right, right, right. Is it called Screamo? Is that the, the genre I'm looking at? Um, uh, I, I don't see him as a Screamo kind of guy. No. Not not, not now. I mean, not. I mean, he seems... Uh, back, yeah, back in the day, maybe. I mean, that haircut, haircut does does suggest Screamo, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Um, look at Lance Archer. Lance okay, Archer... What, what does that Lance Archer listen to? That Lance Archer listens to Corn and Soundgarden and... Um, System of a Down. Uh, System of a Down. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, trust me, he's he's uh, he's been like yeah, and throwing up the, the devil horns uh, to uh, let the bodies hit the floor once or twice, right? <laughs> like yeah, yeah. ECW's greatest hits. He's listening to. Um, yeah, that that that's he's he is late grunge, early uh, emo-y, but even you know we probably yeah. Yeah, I'm sticking with that. I'm sticking with that. Um, Godo, oh my God, what's that from? 1986. Jesus Christ. And Juice, 
juice. I mean, juice looks like it looks juice. Like Carlito. Uh, it, that's what I was about to say. I swear, I was just about to say that. And Moxley, oh, with the dirty hair, looks like he hasn't been washed in fucking three weeks. Yeah, he looks like he stinks, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, I doesn't smell he? It from here. <laughs> right, he does. He looks like he does look like he just stinks. Uh, yeah, he looks like he hasn't showered in fucking three weeks. All right, this is good stuff. Yano, look at the MMA Yano with the uh, with the gloves. Yeah, he hasn't changed. <laughs> no, no, he hasn't a little bit. Yeah, Osprey looking like he's twelve. Oh my god, this is pretty great, actually. Good job, good job by this person putting this together because this is this is pretty funny, pretty good stuff. Looking back through the hands of time, I'm sure if you look through old yearbooks and and shit like that, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe that was that was me. But yeah, I mean, Christ, I'm I'm the living proof of that. Um, but I have a I have a human being that's um, you know, <laughs> my younger self. It's me in a time machine. Don't tell me time travel's not real because that 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 guy's me. Uh, and back in time, so um, I can live, I can live now. Younger me, I don't. This doesn't make any fucking sense. Stop me now, so we can go. <laughs> what are you talking about? Mate? Shut up! Right, exactly. Shut up! Right, right. let's get onto the news. Which uh, we got four new names for the Super J Cup. We have Clark Connors, Soberano Junior, Jonathan Gresham, and Rocky Romero joining Yo Bushi, Amazing Red, Caristico, Taiji Shimori, Taguchi. TJP show and Dragon Lee. So what are your thoughts on the inclusion of Clark Connors, Soberano Jr., Gresham, and Rocky? I don't think anybody's complaining about that. Um, look, this this might fall a little bit under the radar for some people. Because correct me if I'm wrong, I heard, and I didn't get it confirmed, but I heard that this this is not going to be on the network live, right? This is going to be on that tape delight. Correct. Yeah, Kevin ah, Kelly God. was on Observer Radio. He said that the three shows are not airing live because they asked if he's commentating on them. He said he's doing it in post production, and the shows will air on tape delay. Mm, okay, well, that's a little disappointing, but uh, we'll get we'll get to them, I'm sure, and we'll probably hear some live reports. I know a couple people that are actually going to that. Um, so I remember a couple of weeks back, I was even saying, who's going to fucking fly after that? Well, I know people that are going to do it. So um, scale of one to 10, with 10 being super boner pants down and one being, uh, can't get it up. Where where are you sitting for this? I think I'm a solid seven. It's not bad. I always like seeing the juniors in action and there's a few interesting names thrown in there that I'm excited to see i'm excited to see clark connor specifically because everyone's talking about carl fredericks so i want to see what clark's got up his sleeve i'm sure he'll be wanting to go and make a name for himself yeah that's a i, I mean I, I was looking also um they were announcing the uh, uh pro wrestling gorillas uh, best of Los Angeles, weren't they? Just just a couple of days ago, weren't they? Um, and they were rattling off names, and I don't know. Is this 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 does it feels to me? And again, I don't have all the names lined up right in front of me, but this is a pretty solid lineup, all things considered, for what could easily be considered a, a little bit of a throwaway uh, between between tours for New Japan. Um, I, I like the names. I like. I, listen, it's it's turned out better than I thought it would be. Um, I mean, it's again, we're not getting Noah guys. We're not getting all Japan guys. We're not getting you know how it was back in the day. But I mean, in the current climate and where we are in pro wrestling and all that stuff, I, I can't complain about this. This one, this is not that bad. 
pretty good. Yeah, I'd go seven. Seven's probably about where I would sit. And again, Jonathan Gresham, I love him. Um, so that was good to see. Yeah, I'm about seven. Seven's a good number. Seven's a good uh, uh, measurement, if you will, of uh, blood flow. I would say that. This is gross. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> even I, even I kind of was like, mm, I threw up a little bit. <laughs> like, well, uh, but yeah, there's that's where we are for super. I always now here's the thing. I always get excited because I always think the company's tweeting about us, and it's not. I always see super jet. Uh, cop. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> always pissed me off. So I was just extracting a cat from the top of my microphone setup. Uh, oh. I've got it in an unfortunate position where it's very close to their bag of snacks. So <laughs> they oh, like to climb God. on top of it to, to get at the snacks. But I'm not having it this morning. Because mm. when I was recording my Smartcast early in the week, Scampy walked on my MacBook and stopped the recording before we finished. So I was very upset about that. So I'm watching you, Scampy. Right. Um, that gives us 13 names for the Super J Cup. And assuming it's 16... Give me three more names to round it out for us. Well, I, I know that we have talked about this many times, um, the the possibility of the current IWGP heavyweight champion, Will Ospreay. Uh, did I say junior? junior I, yeah. Make sure I please, yes. I, I, uh, Future heavyweight uh, champion, maybe. Yes, correct, correct, correct. Speaking of time, uh, time travel. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think Will is – look, he's nuts – in the sense that he wants to do everything and be involved in everything. That we know. So I would say that's a name that we haven't heard yet to, to pencil in. Um, I did hear, uh, and I think you heard as well, Joel, uh, a name of Robbie Eagles being mentioned. Right. So I think uh, there's a strong possibility we'll be seeing Robbie as well. And then the um, third part, the love triangle. El Phantasmo. Um, that's a, I think it's a solid uh, guess, right? Um, so that that to me, that's a solid that's a solid cup. That's a solid three days of pro wrestling right there. No complaints for me. All right. Next thing on the agenda is a John Moxley interview with Nikan Sports, where he confirms that he can return to New Japan in the future. And the quote is: "In the future, I can always show up in Japan and have matches. Naturally, I want to have a match at Tokyo Dome." He mentioned that he'd like to face Minoru Suzuki, which that's a Wrestle Kingdom worthy match, is it not? I would say yes. Right. I mean, I know that we kind of in our uh, fantasy booking of of the Dome. We had some possibilities with Liger, right? And we know that that hasn't fully been resolved, that little uh, issue that they were having earlier in the year mm. that we were all looking forward to. But um, there's two nights. There's no reason why we couldn't do that for one of those nights. And I don't think anybody would complain about that. Um, that would be another little checkbox off of Moxley's box, who's had, to me, a better-than-expected G1. I, I got, you know... I, I got nothing but praise for what I've seen from him. So, yeah, I would I would welcome him with open arms and a match with Suzuki. Sure, absolutely. Let's fucking do that. Yeah, definitely agree with that. And last piece of news here, Evan Deadly since W says that NJPW are running dojo trials in December. They wrote that they want men aged 18 to 23, and this is the interesting thing, at least 180 centimeters. That's 5 foot 11 inches tall. What is this height obsession? I don't know how stringent it is, but Kawato was the last Japanese young lion who didn't meet it. Ironically, Jushin Thunder Liger was originally rejected from the New Japan Dojo for being too short. And now his retirement will be one of the biggest attractions for Wrestle Kingdom 14. It's silly, isn't it? So what are your thoughts on 
this height restriction for the dojo tryouts. Okay, so here, here, and again, I don't know anything when it comes to how they scout or where they scout and all that stuff. I mean, I know that they look at athletes, um, you know, collegiate wrestlers and and amateur wrestlers and and other combat sports for a lot of the the, the uh, tryouts. So they kind of know what they're getting. If you're a pro wrestler on the independent scene in the United States, uh, trust me, there's already eyeballs on you, right? If you've got a name, if you're a name and a talent, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty positive you don't even necessarily even need to go to the tryout, right? This is for people who are going for a tryout. So what they're in essence saying, they just needed some type of range or or you know we're going to leave this as the cutoff point that's not to say that like if you're an independent guy who's making a name for himself and you're under that height requirement by an inch i don't think they're 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 no longer looking for you i just think that if you're an athlete that doesn't really have a name but you're an athlete and you want to try out for new japan pro wrestling let let's start here do i agree with it i don't know I don't. I mean, I know. I know. I don't know. Isn't really a hot take. I think if you're an, if you're that good and that athletic, and you can wow them, and you show up to that dojo for that tryout, and you're an inch under, I don't think they're going to be like, "Nah, get out of the ring." That's right. So they're not going to have like with like one of those things that you have at a roller coaster. You must <laughs> right. be this tall to ride. Right. Right. Like if you're an athlete. You know you and you and you perform well. Trust me, you're you're not going to get turned away. So um, again, I think it's just a just a guideline that they're using. I don't again, I don't think that they they have a tape measure and they're measuring guys as they walk in. Now, now again, I wouldn't be surprised if they do do that just for their records and be like, okay, John Jones is is you know five eleven and and Pete. Wait, what? Well, hold on. John Jones is not the MMA guy. <laughs> yeah. no, I don't want to. That is a scoop there. and a half. I, I know, I know. I did sh- keep it, keep it under, keep it under wraps. But you know what I mean. Uh, you know, Pete Smith is you know seven foot, seven foot. I think he would be noticed. But you get my point. Um, athletes will 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 make the grade. I think no matter what their height, um, unless they're like you know two feet nine. All right, so that brings us on to the night 15 of the G1 Climax. This is taking place in Shizuoka on Wednesday, August 7th. And our first A-block match was Sanada defeating Lance Archer in 10 minutes 28 with an O'Connor roll. Lance Archer rocking a nice braid. And I don't know if this was just me. It looked like he had one red eye. Although maybe I was just imagining things, but he was looking particularly sinister this night. I thought this was a really good match. We had uh, one of the most memorable spots was Lance Archer going for the choke slam, but Sonata just doing a backflip out of it and landing on his feet, showing off his incredible athleticism. And what is standing out to me so far for Lance Archer's G1 is that he's losing a lot, but he's still protected because there have been a lot of roll-ups and packages and things like that where not too many matches where he's just been beaten with a finishing move and flat out one, two, three. And he's getting applauded by his fan by the fans on his way backstage. So that was something that stood out to me. And yeah, this was a good match. Good opener. Yeah. Um how about Sonata? You know, you know, Lance Archer, I think we've beaten the horse. And I think everybody's kinda on that I don't want to say bandwagon because I think it's a bad word, but um you know, everybody's kind of trumpeting the 
great job that Lance is doing. And we agree, right? But I kind of want to focus a little bit on Sonata, who, in my mind, you know, back to back, not even back to back, like he's had a, I mean, obviously better than average. And I would say a really fucking good G1. Now, my fear is, is that, and again, we can expect a, a heavyweight title shot for him. But my fear is, is, is kind of what we talked a little bit about last week is then what, then what, what do we do with him? Because the last thing I would want to do is lose this momentum that he has. Um, and again, the big concern was, you know, again, I don't think anybody really thinks that he's winning a title if in fact he does challenge Okada, which all signs point to yes. So he's made me. Here's the thing, though. I was about to say, he's made me even more of a fan, right? I've always been a fan. I've always thought there was something missing. Couldn't put my finger on it. Don't know if it was charisma. Don't whatever. We've talked about it a million times. We had a question Everybody. from. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I was just a little pregnant. Pause. Damon no, pause. no. Damon Long pause. Uh, no, that's all right. My point being is this, and I'll get to it right now. Is everyone? has had a great G1. Who there's nobody who who hasn't had a great G1. Um it's it, it's just an amazing thing and 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 especially that block. I mean again, you could point your finger at Fale and be like, oh, "Okay, Fale is Fale." But there's nobody in that block that's had a has had anything even sniffing a bad one or even an average one. You know, Fale aside, it just it's just that they did they do so well in giving you everything that they possibly can give you from a match quality perspective and at the same time Joel people have to lose but they do it in ways that are creative and different and they don't hurt the people that have to take four points right like Lance Archer is coming out of this tournament a bigger star than arguably he has ever been in his entire career and yet He's got four fucking points. Are you finished? Yes, now I'm done. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was going to say, we've got a question from JRJ. He says, do you think Sanada is in line for a big push to try to convince him to sign a new deal with New Japan? He beat Okada, so he's due a shot at IWGP title after the G1. This is a dichotomy here because... I do want him to get more of a sustained push, but I don't want to see him challenge for the IWGP heavyweight title because he's not going to win. And I've seen that match three times already this year. Two of them were great. One of them was not so good because it was the title challenge and it was a foregone conclusion because everyone knew that he was not going to beat Okada at Dontaku. So that did compromise the drum for me somewhat. So he will get a title shot, probably at destruction, but I'm not that interested in seeing it. I would rather see him having maybe a longer term feud with another singles guy leading into something for Wrestle Kingdom because if the trajectory is failed title shot against Okada and then World Tag League and tag title match at Wrestle Kingdom then miss me with that shit I, I don't want to see it again I want right. to see a big singles program for Sonata at Wrestle Kingdom something fresh something that's going to help push him to the next level. If they get lazy and slide him back into the World Tag League and tag title picture, then I think that would be a big misstep. But to JRJ's point, 
do you think they're going to give him push to convince him to sign a new deal, keep him away from WWE? That's got to be a factor, hasn't it? But you would think that they wouldn't have had him beat Okada if there wasn't some sort of, at least verbal commitment in place, right? Yeah, and again, there there is time if he signs a new deal. To me, he's a perfect guy to be feuding over the Intercontinental title. He's a perfect guy because to me, it's 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 that's a, that's a title he could carry, and and no one would have a problem with that. Like if you're going to give him a belt and and give him that air quote push, that's that's where he's landing. And to me, that's a, a incredibly more exciting and incredibly more uh, challenging for a fan, and 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 plenty more to do than in, than in a heavyweight title opportunity where you you really know that that's that's where it begins and ends. I mean, he could win that intercontinental title and and against whoever's holding it, right? And it would be. Perfectly, nobody would complain. I don't think anybody would complain. I, I, that's the, you know, we talk about the heavyweight title and how it's protected and how not everyone could be that champion, and that's a good thing. In some cases, this, this is where this is the other side of the coin where it can be okay. You kind of know, or you kind of feel in your gut that, you know, okay, obviously Okada's not maybe not obviously, but you know Okada's going to get past that to get to Wrestle Kingdom. Um, again, we could be dead wrong, but I, I think most people would agree with that. Brings us on to our second match of the night, which was pink-haired Hiroshi Tanahashi against Bad Luck Fale, with Bad Luck Fale winning in 9 minutes 58 seconds with a backslide, of all things. Yeah. I like this match, actually. It was a, a leg match. It was a smart choice considering the state of both guys. They've got good chemistry together. And I thought there was good drama built in simple things like can Tanahashi do a German suplex or a sunset flip or something like that. It was very, very basic, but I found it effective. And I thought Fale bumped better for Tanahashi than anyone else so far in this G1. I thought this was the best Fale match of the G1. It wasn't anything spectacular, but I thought it was solid to good. And Bad yeah. Luck Fale winning with a backslide. I mean, I'm guessing that Tanahashi didn't want to take a bad luck fall, but it just looked absolutely ludicrous and it did make me laugh. Just the sheer ridiculousness of bad luck Fale <laughs> beating Hiroshi Tanahashi with a backslide. If you told me that two years ago, I would have laughed in your face. Right, right. It, 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 two takeaways was, one... The uh, what is going on over there, man? Jesus Christ! You sound like having an earthquake. I'll tell you what's going on. I've got a cup of water here and two cats wrestling on the table, and they've knocked my water all over. My oh bed. no! All over the bed? Yeah. Oh Jesus, guys, take it easy over there. We're trying to do a, an award-winning podcast. Lord Almighty! All right, well you go, you go, sop that up. I'll go on a on a on a little uh, little journey here on this match because I enjoyed it too. Um, and again, the two takeaways that I had from this one was again the the bad luck for for well actually three things the the grenade was horrible, <laughs> and I was praying to whatever God would listen to me that that wasn't the finish because it looked awful. Uh, Tana did not get up for it. Uh, Fale did not get him up for it, and it was probably a knee high bump that. Uh, Tanahashi took. All that aside, 
The second thing was the bad luck fall. That didn't happen, but boy, oh boy, that crowd is conditioned to freak when you know a guy gets to a certain spot and 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 Folly locks the arms up, carrying him, and it's and it's death after that. That crowd went berserko, hoping Tana would wiggle his way out. Third thing, of course, is that is that pinfall where once again it keeps people honest. It keeps you honest. Like hey, uh, that pinfall could, you know, no one. It, listen, some people could sit here and be like, "Yep, I had Fale to win," and some people could be like, ah, you know, I had Tana to win." No one would say Fale with a backslide on Tanahashi. No one in their right mind. Yet they fucking did it. So f- I love it when people like us and other people who maybe write or talk about New Japan, and then the words come out of their mouth. I cannot imagine blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? This is a perfect example of I cannot imagine, and it fucking happened. And let me tell you something. I jumped out of my chair with a what? What the fuck? Like that. But but, but I will say this. A smile and a grin from ear to ear. Because I was like, what in the fuck? They fucking did that. That was the response. It was, I can't believe they fucking did. I can't believe that everyone had the balls to pull that off, and they fucking did. Great. Great. Good on them. I love it. Good for them. They had the balls to do it, and the guts, and they did it. What do you think is next for Tanahashi? Are you surprised that he's out so early? Because I think a lot of people thought that maybe Osprey might be playing spoiler, that he'd at least go into the block finals with a shot at going through with some sort of permutation. I think it's interesting. I mean, it's another one of those career arc kind of things where it's, you know, it feels like he's on that downward slope, and you know, which just which just screams to me that we're in for we're due for another magical run for from Tanahashi in some shape because we've seen it since 2013. It feels like, um, you would think logically injuries are catching up with him. You would think that, um. From the arm to the knee to the back, everything's starting to catch up on him. I mean, that would be the logical explanation for where he is and and and, and his position in G1. I mean, this is the first G1 that I could remember that, you know, really Tanahashi's not a factor going into the last night, you know, of the block. And, or even before that. You know, he it was you know, he was out well before. So where does he go? I'm, you know, this is a perfect time for him to rest up for Wrestle Kingdom. I, I would, I think it's really becoming where it's going to be Tana working big shows. I don't think you necessarily need him to work a lot of the smaller shows, a lot of the the tag circuit, you know, the, the multi man tags. I mean, you could. I mean, it gives him that that night off, so to speak. The fans still love him. I mean, you can't deny that. And if and let's be honest, if he were healthier, I don't think that this would would be happening. Um, I truly believe that it's just his body and the injuries and the pounding that over the years have just started to catch up on him. And I don't know. You, I, I think when you're at that level too, you when you know that you have to modify your game a little bit and you have to 
And pro wrestling is a little bit different than any other sport, you know, than say football or or baseball or or hockey or basketball or whatever. You kind of know when you can't do what your your mind wants you to do, but your body's not allowing you. Pro wrestling is a little bit different in the sense that you know you can prolong your career, changing your style multiple times to kind of masquerade that. Um, but I don't know if Tan is that kind of guy. You know, he seems like he's to me. He seems like a guy that I'm either going or I'm not going, um, and I'm doing it at at peak capacity or. There's going to be a problem. Um, on the other hand, it's Tanahashi, and I can't see him just being like, okay, I'm done. I'm stepping away. I, th- I think you, he'll be around for a long, long time. So where he is after G1, again, I think this has a lot to do with his injuries and his body, and you know, it's starting, it's starting to, he's starting to have to cash those checks, unfortunately, and this is where we are. Yeah, he seems to be moving into a zone of doing sort of big one-off showcase matches like a Jericho match or lots of rumors flying around about Liger, possibly Tanahashi versus Liger at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, give me a percentage chance that we're getting Liger Tanahashi at the Dome for the retirement match. Hmm. That'd be something, wouldn't it? I don't... It could. I haven't heard... That's the one thing. Like, you know, you, you just don't hear a ton of of solid rumors or any feedback on the street so to speak of of what that match is going to be that liger that liger match or liger matches for that matter um could tanahashi be one of those people yeah of course i think um i think if tanahashi rests and you don't necessarily see a lot of big spot tanahashi leading up to wrestle kingdom i think there's a place for him on that card against a guy that maybe is a little bit more less of a showcase and more of a positional match on the show. Um, so I would say I, I personally would say it's less than a 50% chance that it's Tanahashi, but it, it very well could be. We do have a question from Violent Skipping who says Tanahashi's matches against Okada and Ibushi were shorter than expected. Have we seen his last 30 plus minute epic? I mean, I can't say definitely no, but yeah, I mean, you could see the numbers and time and, and match length and, you know, even we said, even though it was great, the bar that was set previous to those Okada-Tanahashi matches was, you know, super high. Some of the greatest pro wrestling that people have ever seen and arguably one of the best feuds uh, in pro wrestling when it comes to everything, really. So... I would I would put my bets on yeah. I doubt you're going to see that 30 35 40 minute epic Tanahashi match anymore. I think he's found a way to to try to condense that into 20 and less. Um that's his to me physically. And again, he could prove us all wrong and go out there and, and pop out a 45 minute thing that we're all raving about and screaming our heads off over. Uh, but to me, I think those days are in, in the rear of your mirror, and I think I, th- I think that's okay. And I think he's going to be new style Tanahashi for twenty minutes. That's going to be your new your new standard. Next match was Will Ospreay defeating Kenta in sixty minutes thirty three with a Stormbreaker. I thought this was terrific. I really really enjoyed this match, and one of the spots that really 
stood out to me. It was a relatively small thing, but when Kenta did a tornado DDT and just drove Osprey's face into the top rope, just epitomizes the sort of nasty, painful-looking offense of Kenta. And there was the Sasuke special counted into the Falcon Arrow on the apron. That looked great too. A lot of people talking about a couple of slips from Kenta. So he slipped on uh, some sort of springboard attack after the Osprey count-out tease. And he also slipped on uh, the powerbomb reversal later on into the match. So he did seem to struggle with those really fast sequences that require a lot of balance. And this is a guy who has played it relatively safe so far, but perhaps overextended himself a little here, which I thought played into the match because he's going against the guy who is at the absolute top of his game, having an all-time great year in Will Ospreay. He tried to wrestle an Ospreay-style match and just was couldn't quite keep up. He was a step behind and ended up losing. So I thought that worked. Uh, I don't know if this is just ring rust or lack of confidence or if Kenta can't do these sorts of exchanges anymore. I mean, hopefully he does get there, but I think ring rust is real and he needs to get rid of that, build his confidence. And I think we will see improvements on from him. Um, not to say this was a bad match at all, but those little moments like that, which to me didn't ruin my enjoyment of the match at all. Uh, again, I think it played into the story, he played Osprey's game and he lost. He thought he was still 2009 Kenta. It would have been great if they directly capitalized on the slips like one that sticks in my well obviously there's the example with Liger versus uh, Sasuke where right in the closing sequence of that match where Sasuke slips on the top rope and then Liger sarcastically applauding but there was an example last year with it was the one of the the British New Japan shows it was Kyle Fletcher against Jay White and Kyle Fletcher went for a big top rope move in the climactic sequence of the match and he slipped and it looked like a botch. He slipped, he fell off and Jay White just ran in, hit the Blade Runner and won the match. And to this day, I still don't know if that was intentional or not. I don't think it was, but just the way they capitalized on that was great. So I love little moments like that when there are legitimate accidents and they capitalize on it, make the most of it and they become really memorable moments. I, I like the fact that we're on the same page with when it comes to Kenta. I think he's had an outstanding G1. Um, I, I, I'm, I kind of shake my head a little bit at, at people maybe complaining or thinking they're not getting a full, full Kent. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's 2019 and, you know, it's, it's not 2005 and, you know, we've said it before, but I like the idea because I thought the same thing in the sense of. It was Kenta trying to keep up with you know 2019's wrestler of the year, you know, uh, and that and and that's there's another example of a guy who's trying to be 2008 in 2019 and, and maybe again a half a step behind. The only thing I will say is this: those slips, and while they weren't absolutely devastating, you know, in when it comes to taking you out of the match. It was during a nice little build spot, right, where, you know, there was momentum being built, and it felt like it was both, you know, Kenta getting the offense and, 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 and turning the corner and raising that and getting you, everyone's eyeballs kind of, you know, taking you on that ride, and we were going up the roller coaster. And so it felt to me a little bit more deflating, I guess, than, than you had it, because when I saw them... Again, the drop kick off the top after he got him back into the ring. 
Uh, and then there was the whole exchange thing where, you know, it was kind of double underhook and some, something slipped and something didn't quite hit right. They were all – though both of those were the ones that kind of stood out to me of, oh, we were, we, were, we were rocking and rolling here. We were going up the roller coaster and we lost traction and we, we, our gears slipped and, you know, now we, we got to rebuild a little bit. Um, so it did take me out a little bit of the match, but it wasn't brutal. It wasn't, you know, a super awful glaring thing. Um, they recovered quickly because they're pros. Um, but again, yeah, I do shake my head a lot when it comes to feedback about Kenta. We do get a lot of positive, and I'm, in, I'm definitely in that positive camp. Um, but we do hear a lot of, I don't want to say a lot, but there is a vocal minority that, again, I guess they're looking for 2008 Kenta, and they just aren't, aren't seeing it. I'll tell you what I think, Dave. Kenta would be a terrific addition to the Never Title mix. I know they're in different blocks, so I don't know how likely this is, but how great would Ishii versus Kenta be? Great. Great. His G1 has been fantastic. Let me pump the brakes. Fantastic. It's been really, really good. I'll tell you what, though. You you mentioned Ishii. Kevin Kelly was talking like he's a junior. Did you hear those comments from him? Mm, I did. I mean, what is, do you consider Kenta to be in, in the junior world? I, I definitely did not. No, the thought never occurred to me. Just if you're going to debut with a company in the G1 Climax, it makes you think they're not a junior. And I, we're past the point of the year where the juniors are the focus. And it's not like he beat Will Ospreay, so you're trying to lead into... Uh, junior heavyweight title challenge so yeah it did seem like a bit of a strange comment i mean where are they going with this is, is he going to enter the junior tag league is he going to challenge for the junior title are they going to build him up to that for wrestle kingdom it would seem like a strange choice when there are a ton of other more established juniors than him in that division yeah it seems like it seems like there's stuff to the gills with people that you know that that they can cherry pick even from other promotions um, I would think Kenta would be the last guy that you would put them put in a, in a junior slot. Um, I heard that, and I that that left me scratching my head a little bit. So, I mean, w- time will tell. But we have not heard anything other than Kenta being considered a heavyweight. So I, I would go with the Ishii. Yeah, absolutely. Never, never, never shot. Um, that I mean that that title could be very interesting. And again, we'll, we'll talk about it in a, in a second. But that title, that could instantly become one of those, you know, really interesting scenarios. If you if after what we saw, after, you know, the, the shows that we're going to talk about and throwing in Kenta into that mix, that's 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 a, that's a nice little uh, that's a nice little division there uh, for for you. New Japan Pro Wrestling hard hitting fans. That's that's something you can sink your teeth into. Our next match was Kota Ibushi defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in 15 minutes 46 with the Kamigoye. Watching this match, I felt that this was Ibushi saving himself for Budokan. It was 90% Zack control, him doing his grappling, his submissions. And it did build up, but the, the first 10 minutes or so was a lot slower than the previous matches that these two have had. And it did go up a few gears. The missed Bomaye into the series of near falls was excellent. 
And yet again, after the match, I noticed the camera was lingering on Ibushi glad handing the fans. So I like this match. I thought it was good, but they've had much better matches together in the past. They've had better matches. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I mean, I was probably were you, were you in at least four. Yeah, four stars. It was really okay. good. All right, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I mean, there was there were a couple of exchanges where you know a couple of slaps in the face where I thought somebody's going to lose a tooth for Christ's sake. Um, but I would agree. It probably wasn't their best, and you're probably right in the sense that maybe. Coda was holding back a little bit. But you are right as well when you say, once again, we had a match where it felt like Coda was on the receiving end more often than not. And that's not the first time we've said that about him. I mean, is this by design to kind of give him, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, like a, like a sympathy or a... Uh, a, a, you know, for lack of a better term, a fighting spirit to to show that he's able to overcome odds and and get wins when it looks like he doesn't have a fighting chance. Yeah, it seems to be going that way. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the that's the feeling I've gotten almost the entire tournament from Coda. Um, it just seems like he's trying to play some type of underdog. And I don't really necessarily think that he has to do that. Uh, I think he's pretty established, I would think. But uh, it does kind of feel that way. At least at least in my eyes, anyway. Okay, next match then was Kazuchika Okada defeating Evil in 27 minutes with Rainmaker. I do feel that the first half of this match, there wasn't any real drama because it wasn't so much that I thought Evil couldn't win. It was more that it was inconsequential. Because it, he couldn't win the G1 and it was going to come down to Okada versus Ibushi anyway. So I felt there wasn't that much at stake. And the crowd were pretty quiet for the first half. I, I just thought the first 15 minutes were pretty forgettable. Didn't need to go so long. But that said, the last five to ten minutes were mm-hmm. really excellent. And Evil impressed me a lot. And he has impressed me throughout the whole G1. His lariats, the, the Snapdragon suplexes made it look... Like he was actually trying to kill Okada because I've noticed this throughout the G1. There just seems to be a bit of extra oomph. He seems to be hitting people a bit harder. There's a bit more aggression and intensity to his attacks. He's hitting people harder. It's like he looked around and he saw the new signings like Kenta and Moxley and Shingo and people coming up from the other divisions like Osprey. And he's looked around and he's thought, shit, someone might take my spot in this company. I need to pull my finger out and show what I'm made of. So he thought he might get lost in the shuffle and he stepped up. So he's very much impressed me throughout this G1 and particularly in the closing five, ten minutes of this match. Yeah, and I think a lot of credit has to go to Okada too, who in my mind, he, I, I don't hear a lot of people talking about his G1. Not maybe not as many as as I thought I would. I think Okada has had an outstanding G one, um, uh, 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 just up and down every, every time he de- he seems to deliver. And again, you're right. A little bit, a little bit slower. Not even slower. Just 
I don't want to say that you expect it to hit that that fifteen minute mark and you know then kick into higher gears. Uh, I, I I would love to see an Okada match that starts out fast, continues fast, and ends in 10, 15 minutes. You know there was mean? that Okada versus well, Zach, and that was one of right. my favorite matches of this G one because it, by Okada standards, was a sprint, and I loved it. Right, right. You're yeah. So I mean, I love. I would love to see that more. Just again to keep us honest. Um, but that this match felt like you knew you could invest yourself a little bit harder once you hear heard the ten or the fifteen minute call. Right then, you knew. Okay, here we go. Um, and that's exactly what happened. I think Okada's had an outstanding G1, though. Um, I've, I've, I've enjoyed every one of his matches, and he's, he's had some, some of the best of the tournament. Um, and I dare, dare I say, you take the closing stretch from every guy, you know, the, the closing five minutes, and you compare them to every other guy, and I would take Okada's near the top next to just about anybody else's. I think Ishii needs to be in that pile. I think Shingo needs to be in that pile. Um, but the last five minutes of an Okada match, it's fucking art. It's fucking beautiful. Um, and I would put it up against anybody's. Let's move on to the next show, which was Thursday, August 8th in Kanagawa, the Yokohama Cultural Gymnasium. And our first B-block match was Toriyano defeating Taichi in five minutes, four seconds, I count out, and he wrapped up Tai Chi and Kanemaru in the ring apron to everyone's amusement. I don't have a great deal to say about this. Uh, Yano, is, I think he's done a decent job in keeping his material fresh. I thought he was going to be leaning heavily on the T-shirt over the head gimmick after the first couple of matches, but I thought he's done a decent job in having a bit of variety in terms of where where's the wacky finish going to come from in each of his matches. And I'm... Quite surprised that he's... Wait, is he still alive going into... No, he's not alive going into the final match. But having eight points at this point is quite impressive for Yano. Yeah. I mean, right? I mean, you, 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 at the end of the, of the G1, when you're looking at the final standings and maybe even going back next year, you're going to remember, oh, shit, he's had, you know, eight... What is it? What is he going to wind up with? Eight, ten points, maybe? Um, for, for fucking Yano. And, and again, they're bigger names. Uh, that that he's getting wins over. So, uh, yeah, I can't say that there was anything that I was you know super thrilled about this match. You know the the, the burrito spot where they, they're wrapping everybody up. Um, it's silly. It's Yano. People enjoy it. That's fine. Uh, it's not my cup of tea all the time. Um, again, the shorter the Yano match, the better for me. The sprints I prefer. But yeah, I mean, if you like the comedy, I'm sure you you got a boner over this one. Next was Tetsuya Naito defeating Jeff Cobb in 12 minutes 47 with a Destino. I've been saying this a lot, but I thought this was Cobb's best match. I think he's he's very gradually improved throughout the tournament. But I want to give the credit to Naito here because I think Naito is the perfect opponent for someone like Cobb because he's going to fly around the ring, bump like crazy for Cobb, make him look like a monster. But uh, to give Cobb some credit, I thought he sold his leg well. He took some big boy bumps and it just seems a lot crisper. They nailed all the big spots. Cobb is a guy I feel like his absolute ceiling is like a four, four and a quarter style match. I don't think you're ever going to get anything better than that. And that's when he's with the absolute prime 
opponent, like best in the world, sort of top tier opposition. Uh, what I thought was also funny about this was at the beginning of the match, Naito was doing a sumo pose. And then at the end of the match, he did the sumo hand gesture where they accept the, the sponsorship money. He did that when he, uh, the referee was giving back his intercontinental title belt and then <laughs> spat in his face. So classic <laughs> Naito there. And yeah, I know we touched on it last time, but the, the Destino call, I, I cannot imagine. That. Imagine that Naito winning the main event of the Tokyo Dome and that being the climactic call of the match i just i don't think it works you know we're going to be there live we've got our tickets so we won't have to listen to commentary but yeah maybe maybe we'll get some people tuning into the japanese commentary there for that one uh what did you think about this match i think i think naito is is the perfect opponent for Cobb, and naito seems to feed off of guys like that the big beefy muscle thick guys and again let's not bring up a name that uh we we like to every once in a while but some of the best elgin matches were against naito right so yes he does love the bump around he does like to take the big spots he does work well with that type of wrestler and i think he even admitted it um in in either a post or pre-match uh interview so even he seems to enjoy those type of guys. So, yeah, I agree with that 100%. The, the Destino call, yeah, I mean, you're right. If, if you look at – if you predict a Naito win, that might – but here's the thing. How can he not do it at this point? It's become so cliche that he almost has to do the fucking – you know, what is, he, is he mocking like soccer? Or not mocking, but like emulating a soccer goal? Is that what he's doing there with the Destino? I have no idea. You know how, like, the, the, like I, I don't know. know. I, I, yeah, the I guy, understand yeah. what you're saying, but I don't know what the thought process is and the yeah. elongated destino. I love Kevin. I love Kevin, but yeah, that, that to me, that's a swing and a miss. It's not one of my favorite things that he does. Luis says, Can you guys give me an answer as to why everyone is trying to kill Naito? Just look at that bump he took from Jeff. And I don't have it right here, but someone gave the correct response, which is he's trying to kill himself. So. Oh, no. Naito loves to throw himself on his head. That's his modus operandi. Um, yeah, I mean, I, w- I wish I could say anything different. Um, I'm sure it's taking years off his career. The cumulative bumps on his neck. Not Maybe not the one. Maybe not that other one. Maybe not that other one, other one. But adding them all up, it's not doing him any favors, I would think. Uh, but again, he's going to do what he's going to do. Um, he's a pro. He's an adult. He's going to he's going to do it. So uh, hopefully he's safe. It does look fucking spectacular. I can't lie. Uh, but yeah, it's probably not the safest thing for him. That's for fucking sure. Long may it continue. I, I totally support Naito's right to uh, do lots of self harm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next match: uh, Hiroki Goto defeated John Moxley in eight minutes thirty eight with the GTR. And I like this. I thought Moxley had a proper Goto-style match in a good way. And they did fool me for a moment there in the closing sequence where he hit the sort of half, the the, um, kind of dirty deed-style move. And then I thought he was going to get the Death Rider and eliminate Naito. But it didn't happen. And then we had a a really cool sequence with the Ushiguroshi being cancelled into the GTR, which I thought was very smooth. And um, I loved how short this was. 
I upset a lot of people on Twitter, as I do, Damon, by just asking a oh, question. No. I just asked a question. What did you do? It was a, it was a poll. What did you do? I what did you do? And Gotto what did you got do? his big win, and he's got 10 points, and he's alive going into the final night of the blocks. Mm-hmm. And I thought, hmm, maybe Gotto is not a geek because he's had a decent tournament. He's had some good matches. He's been booked strongly. Maybe he's not a geek anymore. So I just I threw the poll out there asking, is Hiroki Goto a geek? Which upset a lot okay. of people because, you know, I, people don't like me asking the tough questions, but I'm going to keep doing it because I'm a serious journalist, Damon. The, right. <laughs> the results came in and 39% said he's still a geek. 12% said he's no longer a geek. But 49% he said he was never a geek to start with. So okay. what do you think of this match and Hiroki Goto's geek status? All right. Uh, I actually like the match a lot. I thought it was I thought it was a, a refreshing, energetic, fun, uh, interesting match that I never thought I would ever see, to be to be truthful. And I thought they worked well together, and I would have no problem seeing round two. Um, is again one of the running bits that we've had on this show for many years has been you know, Hiroki Goto and being. Chief J. Goto. And again, for new listeners, what the fuck does that mean? This is what this means. So back in the day when Chief J. Strongbow was, you know, arguably the second baby face behind Bruno and behind Backland, like he was the guy that the heels would beat um, to kind of establish them challenging for the title. And that's where, where you kind of felt Goto was for a long period of time in chaos. Some people call him gatekeeper to the stars, whatever you want to, whatever fucking tag you want to put on. And it felt like that was the case. In the past year, Goto has been booked horribly, in my mind, and I think in a lot of people's minds. So I don't necessarily think he is a geek, per se, but the way he's booked is fucking geek-like, right? And I don't think anybody can argue that. And I go so far as to say, over 40%, apparently, according to your numbers, Joel, kind of agreed. Because at one point he was a geek, and now he's not a geek. And then, what, 39% said, yeah, he's a geek. And half, so almost half of our audience at one point thought he was a geek. And half didn't. And that's pretty much, like, that's that's pretty much the our, our entire audience base. Our entire listener base is that. It can be summed up in, in your poll. So while I'm sure there were people that were like, fuck you, you're canceled, or whatever the fuck people say. Um, I'm sure there were other ones. People were saying, you're a geek. I was like, yeah, and so are you, because we're on the internet arguing about Japanese professional wrestling. (laughs) Uh, Who said that? Who was that? Anybody we know? Um, It's, um, look, I, I, look, he, 50, almost, you know, split down the middle, uh, where there was some type of geekdom to non-geekdom. So take it for what it's worth. Um, I, you know, you do love to rile people up, though. My goodness gracious. Can't you just fucking tweet nice things? You know, no, like, it's fucking. I, I enjoy don't it. You know any, don't you know any poetry? You can't fucking <laughs> you can't make, a, make a fucking wrestling haiku like some people. Come on. Yeah. yeah we'd have, like, <laughs> 8,000 followers if I started doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Whatever. Uh, okay, so I, I, there's, there's... To that point, I haven't shaved for about three weeks, so... Ooh. We're getting there. You're getting there. You're getting there, buddy. All right. Everything smiles. Everything's coming up roses. All right. 
Okay, next match was Jay White defeating Juice Robinson in 23 minutes with the JTO. What does JTO stand for? Um, JTL. Um, it was the TTO in the Tanahashi feud. Was it Tanahashi tapped out? So maybe this is Juice tapped out. Yeah, you go. I don't know. Uh, I thought this match was really, really good. I enjoyed the legwork. And they, these two have just got really good chemistry where it feels more like a fight than a lot of J matches do. And it's just got really nasty. And here is a quote from, I think this was Robin Reed in our, our Voice of Wrestling Slack, which is something I agreed with. And he said, one of the many cool things about the Young Line system is that it makes random matches into grudge matches for people that came up together, even if the two guys haven't been directly feuding for quite a while, which is something I totally agree with. And it was something they leaned into in this match, that their, their history in the dojo together. And I, just, I really enjoyed this statement. I know we had the traditional Jay White, Gato interference spot, but I felt it played into the match, it played into the story. And that moment where Juice Robinson was going for that pulp friction onto the chair and you just... You know he's not going to win, but you're just willing it. You're just like, come on, just fucking nail that motherfucker with it. Drive his face into that chair. And it didn't happen. And you're like, oh, I, it just, I got caught up in this match. I loved it. <laughs> he did. And he does. Jay White does do that. Uh, and it feels like the modern day heel is a guy that's just going to disappoint people like us. Right? <laughs> that... Uh, I don't even... Well, I guess it does... I, okay, I, I, right. I, I want to jump in and articulate myself more clearly here. Specifically, yeah, yeah. we're talking the Gato interference. I think in some matches where he needs to get that edge over someone, it works. But he didn't need to do it in every match. Like, I don't need to see that when he's trying to beat Jeff Cobb, for example, or Taichi. He should be able right. to put those guys away with his wrestling skills. You can have all the character work and all the heel stuff and... He that will not harm his heel heat at all. But for me, in these big matches where he needs to beat uh, a big rival like a, a Juice Robinson, I'm okay with it. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm just going to bring up a point. And, and, and let, I just need people to do their best to, 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 to come along for the ride with me just for a little bit. Open your mind. Free your mind. And if you disagree... I, I'm fine, but hear me out. Does anybody in 2019 buy a wrestling ticket to see guy A get his ass kicked by guy B because guy A is a bad person? Is that a rhetorical question or do you want a response from me? I would love a response from you as the voice of the pro wrestling community. <laughs> mm, I feel that there is an incredible amount of drama and excitement built up in this upcoming Naito versus Jay White match based somewhat on those dynamics not, okay. not, not that Jay White is a bad person but people are going to be really really angry and upset if Jay White beats him and takes a spot in the final at the expense of Naito? Or do you, is that not quite what you were saying? No, it, it, it is. Um, so do you think that people are buying a ticket to see the winner of a match? 
or they're going to see Naito put Jay White in his place, I guess is my point. My, I guess my, over, my overall thought is this. In 2019, do you really need a heel like that? Like is that like I can understand it in the in the seventies and the eighties and even in the nineties. There there's you know, I feel like there was an absolute need for something like that, especially in American pro wrestling. Do you need that in two thousand and nineteen in, in in New Japan pro wrestling? I don't, personally. I've heard the arguments from people who are big fans of Jay White and how it generates genuine heel heat and adds a lot of drama to the matches. I'm leaning more towards your side of the argument, but I'm not saying that there's absolutely no place for it in New Japan in 2019. I just would like it to be used a little bit more judiciously because on the whole, I do like Jay White. I enjoy his matches. His character work is terrific. But like I said, I I would be happy to see that in about... 10% 10% of his matches, not every single time. Right. Because it just becomes a bit tropey. Right. And 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 again, I understand why we needed heels and baby faces in the 70s and in the 80s. I mean, that's what drew people to the arenas. That's that's what put people, you know, motivation a, a lot of times to um you wanted to see that guy, you know, in the steel cage finally get the fucking ass-kicking that he deserved for putting people through hell. I, I don't know if necessarily that's, you know, is Jay White that, one, is pro wrestling, is it the same? Like, do you need that? Do you need that heel to draw a gate? So I don't think so, right? And B, do you, is Jay White even that guy? Like, he's, would he even be capable of doing that? And I understand it adds drama to that specific match, but I guess maybe I'm just kind of going back in 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 my rolodex of pro wrestling in my mind and why you would even need somebody like that in the past i could see it i just think in 2009 it's it, it's kind of like i don't know like an arm bar you know as a submission or, or or you know just something that's just seems like passe maybe that's the word i'm looking for mm, maybe it's passe throwback. yeah 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 because maybe Jay too White's, much though his character work is so good that Doing that sort of stuff is almost unworthy of him. I think he's talented enough to make himself hated without having to do things like that. Yeah, maybe. I, and again, and 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 I don't even know if you know. Maybe my rant isn't making as much sense as I thought in my head it would. But but it's again the whole idea of being this this fucking dick heel. Again, in in 1980 and 1990, I would say, okay, great. You know, you're a dick heel. You want to see get the guy get his ass kicked. I don't know if people are buying tickets to go to the Tokyo Dome to see Jay White get his ass kicked, as a, or even the, to the Budokan, as opposed to, oh, Jay White versus Naito. Let's see who makes it to the finals. You know what I mean? That's, I guess, that's my biggest argument. Question from uh, Loses Reborn. He says, is Jay White to New Japan what Batman is to the Justice League in the fact that everyone around him becomes dumb? Uh, jokes aside, do you guys feel his matches are, quote-unquote, Toriano matches uh, stretch out with no creativity? He says, I'm a fan from Brazil. Love you guys. We love you too. Uh, so what do you say to that? Do you think there's a lack of creativity and does do his matches make his opponents look stupid? Um, 
I mean, I think a lot of times, you know, I think it makes the referees look more stupid than anything else. Um, no, and and again, I don't want to mislead anyone and take them somebody down a wrong path here. I think Jay White is fucking really good, and I think that Juice match was was really fucking good. And maybe the reason why I thought it was really good was was be, for everything that I just described. Mm, you know what? No, I take it back. It wasn't because the moment we we started doing fucking nonsense. Um, it, it did kind of take me out of it a little bit. It did, it did take me a little bit out of it because I, again, I, I, I just think, I don't know. I, I, I beat the dead horse with it. Um, no, I don't think, I don't think Jay White is Yano. I think Jay White is really fucking good. Maybe, maybe too good to be quite honest with you, to be, to be fucking around with this kind of stuff. I don't know. Sam says, I'm a huge fan of Juice Robinson. I honestly think he's one of the best in the company. Do fans overlook him and what's his ceiling in New Japan? And Mark says, has this G1 cemented Juice as one of the best baby faces in the company? If you weren't rooting for him to take Jay's head off without pole friction onto the chair, you're a cop. So thoughts on Juice Robinson? <laughs> Love him. I think he's, yeah, I think he is one of the best. I mean, aside from, you know, your Tanahashis and all, I mean, he is baby face through and through. Uh, which would make a really interesting heel turn after I just talked about not having heels. Uh, yeah, I think I think he's he is the he is the blueprint for New Japan slow burn um, ceiling. I think there's I think there's more to go with Juice, right? I think we've we've seen it in G one. We've seen it just right after that Moxley match. Um, there's there's absolute growth just there alone. Um, in the past month, so where where would where is his landing? Mm, I mean, I think, and it's he he could be more than U.S. That's for sure. Um, I don't think he's world champion by any stretch. I'm struggling a little bit with Intercontinental, but you could see him with a never right. You could see him with. I'll tell you where you really see him. I would love to see him in a tag. I would love to see him in a in a serious legitimate tag team situation challenging for those belts and swapping those belts around. I would I would I think that would be his next step um and I would absolutely adore it if if that happened. So we're just hoping that David Finley can come back because he would be the guy to I think launch that. I think people like Finley him returning would give a bit of buzz about that team and yeah for I don't know would that be good for Wrestle Kingdom? Could well be. Why not? I mean, as long as it's not G.O.D. versus L.I.J., sign me up. Yeah. They're wrestling tonight in Toronto, G.O.D. Again, I think it's a Briscoe's, isn't it? I think it is. God damn. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. I mean, let's 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 put let's spice up. Let's pardon the pun here. Let's juice up <laughs> the tag team situation. Main event here was Shingo Takagi defeating Tomohiro Ishii in 22 minutes 41 with Last of the Dragon. I want to hand over to you for this one, Damon, because this was just pro wrestling crack, and I can't articulate myself well enough here. So. <laughs> what did you think of well, this match? It, this was this was this was the drug we all wanted, right? This is really good fucking stuff, uh, and here's here's where you know you found yourself some really good stuff is when. You look around ringside and you look at the faces and the feet that are stomping on the ground 
and the smiles and the euphoria that is in an arena because they're watching two guys who are absolutely killing it in the ring. What saw a Fraser marking out at the side there. We sure did. And I even hit him up and I was like, you look like you had a fucking blast. And he was like, it was incredible. I can't believe I was in the front row for that. He, again, smile from ear to ear. Everyone around him smiles from ear to ear. And I love it when like a guy like Kevin Kelly, who's paid to do the play-by-play, and Rocky Romero and Chris, who are paid to do the color, lose their minds. Like there are certain levels where a guy loses his mind, but he's losing his mind and he's excited, don't get me wrong, and he's channeling that energy to give the call. But he took it to another level of uh, uh, he's he's his head's exploding like 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 you could hear the cracking of his skull <laughs> because he was enjoying it so like like that's when he's sitting there saying to himself I can't believe I get paid for this fucking shit you know what I mean what a match what an absolute fucking match look uh well, we were talking to a couple people uh, in New Japan. Well, uh, that, and I mentioned to them, I really think, as Abushi uh, aside, Abushi aside, I'm hard pressed finding a guy that New Japan was able to 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 swipe up that is more talented, more well rounded than Shingo. You know what's um, crazy, Damon? Is uh, sorry to interrupt you, but Shingo might be the best wrestler in that company. Yeah. And for their biggest show of the year, Wrestle Kingdom, he was in a six-minute three-way junior tag match where he did just a handful of moves. And that's not even a complaint or a criticism because I understand they were trying to build him up slowly. But that's a crazy thought, isn't it? There is. He is. And again, he's had plenty of years to hone his craft in Dragon Gate. And by no stretch of the imagination would anyone say Damon McDonald is a Dragon Gate expert. But I've been, I've watched enough Dragon Gate matches to be like, okay, we know this guy's got fucking talent, uh, and we know this guy is an anchor in that promotion. The Mochizuki uh, match, I would strongly recommend if anyone hasn't seen mm, it. I mean, you go and and again, not too long ago, um, our our good friend Eric was sitting right there at Champions Carnival, watching watching him do his thing in, in all Japan's tournament. All Japan's equivalent of G1. What a fucking talent. I mean, Jesus Christ. Look, there's no way you, you stick him back in juniors. There's just no way. Uh, I don't think anybody... I don't think anybody's going to complain with with a Shingo, Ishii, obviously rematch, but nice little, nice little feud because... And again, look, we sit here... Every fucking year at year end award, and we talk about Ishii and how he's you know un you know un, un unheralded and and underrated, and he should be to the stars and give him every title in the fucking promotion because of all the work that he does in the ring. No doubt about it. Look in ring, find me a guy that that consistently in the past five years has 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 done what Tomohiro Ishii has done. In that fucking wrestling ring, every time in a big spot he delivers, and when he gets the really the right guy that he has great chemistry with, 
It's it's a fucking grand slam. Look, this was five. This was five. This, this was not even a soft five. This was a hard, firm, stuck it right up in and did it with a smile. Five. This was get on your feet and walk around the house and clean and go outside and get online and talk about it. And this is this is what I talk about with the chemical reaction. What a fucking pleasure this was. I could watch this match 750 times and never be bored of it. Nobody in that arena uh, left without a huge smile on their face. And guess what? The promotion got a win in signing this guy who, who in my mind, has just enough grime and just enough indie cred to satisfy that pocket of New Japan fans. And he has, and he's also in the most popular faction in the company, so he satisfies that that pocket of fans. And new fans can get behind him because he's got a good look. He looks like a fucking badass, and he has killer matches. That like I, there's not a pocket of New Japan fandom. And again, there's 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 little pockets everywhere. Call them whatever you want, Anokiists, uh, what you know, the, the the whatever whatever label you want to put on these different pockets of fandom. New fans, Bullet Club fans, whatever. There's wrestling nobody that's Twitter, right? Wrestling body part Twitter, right? Whatever, whatever, whatever fucking faction they want to belong to. Jerk offs who have who have podcasts. Uh, Where's your podcast? <laughs> that's my catchphrase now. That really is funny. You should get a T-shirt of that. Where's your podcast? I want fucking T-shirts with "Where's your podcast" and your face on it. I would buy it tomorrow. Anywho. No, no, there's not one person that is going that you, you can find online that's like, eh, Shingo kind of sucks. He, he, he doesn't really sell. Oh, his fucking offense is weak. Nobody, no one, everyone is all about Shingo, and and so are we on this show. What a fucking joy, dude! The floor is yours. The fuck quotient was off the charts for this one. There was just so many moments where I was sort of jumping off my bed where. There was a, a lariat, and I just thought, he's taking the other guy's head off here. And just little images that are going to stick in my mind. The blood coming out of Ishii's ear, and that blood being on Shingo's bicep. So when you see Tomohiro Ishii's blood trickling down the bicep of Shingo Takagi, you know you're watching a great match. Right. The, the meaty lariats where the camera catches at the perfect angle, and you get that little spray of sweat illuminated. And it's just, it's just perfect. It's... It's like a beautiful piece of art. It was amazing. And just to add Go to read a book, Joel. Go go read a book. <laughs> to add to what you're saying about Shingo, I don't think the rest of the year talk is that clear cut anymore. Because yeah. I think Shingo, without necessarily being booked to be uh, you know, an, the unbeatable monster that he was, has just been stunning. So good that I don't. I haven't decided yet. I mean, I'll wait till the end of the G one. But I'm not going to say neck and neck. But it's close. It's, it's close. really close. But here's the problem. So, yes, I, you can go down best of the super juniors, and he is right in that conversation with Will. The problem is, is, is I just don't think. And help me, but is there is there the body? body of work where every match from the dome against Abushi all the way to where we are now in G1 
it feels like Will has had a lot more singles opportunities to make this happen, whereas Shingo may not have had all the available uh, singles matches that Will has had. Now, when the, 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 the tap on the shoulder has, has occurred for Shingo, yes, without question, he's fucking delivered. But, uh, you know, Madison Square Garden, right? Um, you know, best of the super juniors. You can put the collective package of and his G1. Is that enough to offset a will? And again, for me, I'll, 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 I'll let my cards on the table right now. For me, it's Will, Shingo, Okada in that order. I'm not sure about third place. I still have Will edging it, and that's not because I think he's done more with his opportunities than Shingo. He's just been given more opportunities. Like, Correct. As I, the, the point I mentioned earlier, so Wrestle Kingdom, Osprey has a big opening match, 20 minutes with Ibushi, where Shingo is in a six-minute three-way junior tag match. Um, G1 Supercar, Madison Square Garden. Will is opening against Jeff Cobb, put in a great spot. Shingo is in the on a rumble. So if you were to give Shingo the same opportunities that Osprey had, then yeah, maybe we're having a totally different conversation. But for when you're talking wrestler, you can only talk about the. I don't know. I'm articulating myself badly here. What Whatever cards you were dealt, that they've been given. Osprey's right. been given more opportunities. Yeah, so he is edging it for me, but it is really, really close. And not a foregone conclusion that it was maybe a month ago so i think that's worth thrown into the mix um a few questions here f- about uh ishii actually so k9 that god one says where do you think thick boy ishii lies within the greatest of all time rankings and anders says do you ever see ishii winning a g1 and do you think that he should um if if g1 didn't mean you get a wrestle kingdom heavyweight title shot at the dome I would say I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, I I just think like he is the best solid hand that you could possibly fucking have in a company. Like he is the modern equivalent of like, I don't know, I'm trying to like a Bobby Eaton. And that's even a shitty example. But a guy who is not never going to be your world champion, but is just such a fucking solid hand that. Anytime you put him in the ring, you know he's got a very good chance of stealing the show. Um, is he one of the greatest of all time in ring? I think, I think he's got to be in that mix. I, I really do. His body of work is outstanding, and I'm, I'm really, you know, for the amount of years that he's been able to do this consistently um, in a big spot. I mean, that, that list is not that long if you really think about it. And he's got to be in that mix. I mean, are we talking all the, – again, the problem is is that he's never really been in a great position to draw houses. Yes, there have been houses where he's been on top and they've probably done okay. But he's never consistently been one of those guys that you could rely on. Um, and never – again, never really put in that position to do so. Um in ring, he's got to be in. He's absolutely in the conversation. In ring, let's then preview the block finals. By the time you're listening to this, one of them may have already happened. Yeah. Depends how quickly we can get this up. But uh, Saturday, August 10th in Tokyo, Nippon Budokan, the A block finals, going straight into the 
block matches, we have Evil, who is on... Well, first, actually, Damon, the fact that we have four meaningless block matches because it's all going to come down to the main event. Does that surprise you at all? Um, A little bit. I mean, I, I think a lot of the drama um, is... Well, not, I think I, we think we, you know... We can honestly say that a lot of the drama of where people are going to fall will, will be in B block, but um, yeah, a little bit. But again, I think they just wanted to make sure that the the spotlight and the focus, after it's all said and done, is about Abushi and Okada. I mean, that's where they wanted to, to everyone's attention to be fixated, and I think that was an intentional thing to do. They really didn't want to have a lot of that. Obviously, they didn't want to have a lot of that. Oh, okay, this guy's got to win, and then this guy, and, and they 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 kept that for the surprises of whatever B block is going to be. Um, now, again, I have an opinion, but it's certainly not carved in stone. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think it was. I mean, obviously, it was intentional to say, okay, all eyes we need focused on Okada and Ibushi. So I think that's pretty telling. So we got Evil, who is on eight points, going up against Lance Archer, who is on four points. So I'm torn on this one because part of me thinks we're going to have Evil and Sonata both moving on to ten points. But another part of me thinks Lance finishing up on four points, maybe you should get a win here. Maybe you should book bookend his G1 with two wins. So I'm torn on this. What do you think? Who do you think wins? I think it's a coin flip. I mean, if if we're looking at... Who what you know? Who's going to benefit more from a win? Probably Lance, right? Um, but I just think that Evil is still. When you're looking at pecking order, Evil is is higher than Lance Archer right now. It depends on really what they want to do. Do do they want to keep that status quo, or do they want to make help elevate Lance a little bit further? Um, I think Lance has already done really well for himself. So um, even with that said, I, I still think. It's about pecking order in this match, and I think Evil gets a win. Then we got Sonata versus Bad Luck Farley. So Sonata also on eight points. Farley's on six points. I'm seeing a Sonata win here. It would be nice if he could actually beat Farley with finishing moves. You know, hit hit a couple of moonsaults or rounding body presses, as they call them, and pin him one, two, three. I think that would do him a lot of good. But I think more likely we're looking at some sort of clutch roll-up, possibly count-out win here for Sonata. Right, or even like um, outside interference, backfiring. You know, he moves out of the way. The cane shot. He finally gets whacked right, right in the skull, and whew, down we go. Um, and again, at the end of the day, Sonata's going to have a lot of points. But is is anybody going to remember that? Um, that's really the key. His big win being against Okada, of course. But um, again, a lot of empty net goals, as they say. So. Um, uh, late in the tournament, but I still think he picks up a win here. Uh, I can't. Again, they're not going to give Folly the win just to give him a win. They're, Sonata's the guy. Then we have Kenta versus Zack Sabre Jr. So Kenta is on eight points. Zack is on six points. I think they balance things up here. I think Zack gets the win. I'm basing that mainly on watching the backstage comments after the last show where Zack looked extremely confident in a way that made me think <laughs> he already knew he was winning, even though he, he might not have known yet. But uh, I think Zach picks up the win here. I do too, only just to make it even on points. Um, giving Zach something respectable with eight would make most sense. And I think I think a lot of fans in Tokyo would, would might not might not have a problem with that finish. 
Then we've got Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Will Ospreay, which I think, in spite of them both being eliminated from this G1 already, I think is a huge match in as much as we're going to see what the positioning is for a guy like Osprey. So Osprey's on six points, Tanahashi's on eight. And I think this is a moment for the, these guys to go out and have a very, very good match. Good 50 minutes or so that establishes Will Osprey as the future of the company. And I'm pick Osprey to get the win here. Wow. Okay. That, and that would be pretty monumental if you think about it. Um, I'm going to go with a Tanahashi win. Again, I think it's going to be one of those competitive, close, but no cigar kind of matches. Um, and you know Osprey's going to have extra motivation. You know he's excited for a match like this and a building like this in a singles match. So, yeah, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be extra special, Will, I'm sure. And, uh, but I still think Tanahashi will pull out the win. And our main event, Kazuchika Okada versus Kota Ibushi. So Okada is on 14 points, Ibushi is on 12th. A win for Okada or a time limit draw sees Okada going through to the block finals and Ibushi win sees him going through to the finals. So how do you see this one playing out? I'm sticking with it. I've, I've ridden it, I've ridden it um, for a little bit anyway. I, originally, it was kind of Tanahashi was going to find ways to win. I just think it's just, after it's all said and done, Joel, the easiest path would be Okada winning making it to the finals and losing to B block to set up Wrestle Kingdom. Um, again, not only do you win the briefcase, you pinned the champion to get that title shot. Um, it gives Okada two losses, um, one that he'll defend before Wrestle Kingdom, and then obviously the briefcase with with who we think B will win. Um, and, and, and again, after it's all said and done and all the possibilities and all the fucking math and trigonometry that you needed to figure it out, it really is just going to be the simplest path in the end. Okada winning, losing in the finals. There's one slight bit of uncertainty here in the fact that there has been no time limit draw so far in this G1. So my thinking was that the fact that Okada and Ibushi were put in the same block means that the booking committee don't feel that that is a dome main event worthy match because if they did they wouldn't have put them together in the G1 there's a match that they thought would do well to sell tickets in Budokan and for a rematch at Sumo Hall for King of Pro Wrestling but it's not at dome level which leads me to say that Ibushi goes through but I don't think he wins in the final and there is something to say for the possible... No, no no draw here. No, Ibushi wins. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, I don't think we see any time limits. I don't think we see any draws. It's going to be one or the other. All right, we split it. I, I'm saying I was, Okada. What I was going to say with the draw, you could have the draw where Okada goes through, but then there's still the uncertainty. You haven't given away an Okada-Ibushi finish, per se, mm-hmm. so you can keep that in your back pocket for later. But I, I don't think it's that complicated. I just think Ibushi wins. And I think it's going to be a terrific match. Oh, I think it'll be outstanding. I think I think I, I don't think anybody is. I don't think anybody has expectations lower than a four. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be it'll be it'll be dramatic pro wrestling. That is for fucking sure. In a big spotlight, in a big in a big building. Yeah, I think everybody's going to be excited for this. 
and the Block B finals, Sunday, August the 11th, also at uh, Nippon Budokan. One thing that's standing out to me here is the fourth match is Yoshihashi, Will Ospreay, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada versus Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Minoru Suzuki, Lance Archer and Zack Sabre Jr. So this could be setting up stuff for Royal Quest. I know we have speculated about it, but just the way that the, the these teams have been arranged makes me think we get some sort of post-match angle with Suzuki attacking Okada and possibly even Tanahashi and Zack going at it to set up two big singles matches for Royal Quest because I don't think yeah. it's a coincidence that these guys are facing off against each other. Yeah, we we have been saying that and correct me if I'm wrong, uh Joel, but uh by the time people hear this, most people, a lot of people, um they are planning on now at, at least announcing the matches Right after G one, right? So right after that. Yeah, it's that usually G1 the day fight. the day after the tour, isn't it? At right. twelve PM Japan time. So I think that's a safe guess. Yep. Um Yeah, I think I think I think you hit the nail on the head on that one. Um and then it's it's about all the, the mathematical possibilities because really there's what four people that are technically still alive in B. Yeah, let's get into it then. So we have Toriyano versus Jeff Cobb, which is a quote-unquote dead rubber. We have uh, Toriyano on eight points. We have Jeff Cobb on six points. I think Cobb gets the win here, evens things up, and eight points being a very respectable tally for both men. You know, I'll go Cobb. We'll even it up. Truth be told, I think the excitement is 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 next and onward. But uh, yeah, this is just wet your pal a little bit. But I'll go Cobb. Why not? Then in the sixth match, we have Tomohiro Ishii versus Taichi. So Ishii has eight points. Taichi has six points. Not sure about this one. I was going to say Taichi gets his win back because, of course, he lost against Ishii at Dominion. And then that sets him up for a future never title shot. But let's remember that if Naito wins the G1, then Taichi is technically entitled to challenge for that briefcase, which is, I think, a match we could see a destruction. So maybe Taichi would have his hands full with that. So I don't know about this one. I, I'm tempted to say Ishii going to 10 and Taichi staying on 6. Uh, yeah, but then like that makes Taichi look like, pardon the phrase, a geek. Um, because he couldn't beat Ishii, but now he's going to go against Knight. You know what I mean? That's true. Um, okay, you've changed my mind. Tai Chi wins. Tai Chi wins. All right, we'll go with that. And here's where things get interesting. Seventh match is Juice Robinson against John Moxley. Of course, a rematch from the best of the Super Juniors final. So there are lots of different permutations here. I'm looking I got, at this I got flow chart. Me too. <laughs> me too. I got a flow chart in front of me too. Uh, somebody from Reddit, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the user at... is uh, Zero Miss Prime. Are you looking at the same one as yep, me? Yep, zero, yep, yep. Zero Miss Prime. That is correct. So why don't you do the possibilities of a Juice win? Why don't you do that and I'll do the possibilities of a Moxley win? How about that? Okay. So if Juice wins and Goto wins and then Naito wins, Naito wins the B block. If Juice wins, Goto wins, and Jay White wins, Goto wins the B block. If Juice wins, Shingo wins, Naito wins, Naito wins the block. Juice wins, Shingo wins, Jay White wins, then White wins the B block. So if Juice wins, then there is a 
50% chance of Naito winning the block, 25% Goto winning and 25% White winning. I know on the Moxie side there is a mistake. If you see the top comment on that red. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but there, there has to be like craziness ensues. So, okay, yeah, but yeah. But yeah, yeah those right. are the permutations in the eventuality of Juice Robinson winning. And I, I guess the big takeaway is that if Juice wins, Moxie's eliminated. If Moxie wins, Naito's eliminated. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. Like the, and again, I, I talk a lot about the clearest path, right? So if Juice beats Moxley, you're, what you're doing is if you're looking for the cleanest path, you're, then you're looking for Shingo to beat Goto. Right? Because if Shingo beats Goto, uh, that means that that Naito and Jay White match, whoever wins that match, goes on and wins the block. Correct? Yes. So to me, that makes the most sense. So if, again, in that, if Juice wins and Goto wins, um, if Jay White wins, actually Goto wins the block. Right? So. To me, that just doesn't make much... That seems very anticlimactic, doesn't it? But kind of would be a, a fitting end to that Jay White-Gotto story, would it not? That Jay White ends up helping Gotto win the block. It's not going to happen, but it would just be a funny thought. Right, right. Okay, so uh, on the flip side, in that Juice-Moxley match. So if John Moxley wins, um, and uh, if John Moxley wins... It's uh, Shingo and Goto, right? So if Goto wins that match, it's Naito. If he wins, he wins the block. If it's Jay no, no, who wins... That, that was the oh. way the correction was. If, oh, that really? happened, if those three uh. things happen, if Moxley wins, Goto wins, and Naito wins, apparently that means there's an unbreakable three-way tie between Oh, them. right. Okay, I'm reading. My bad. Sorry about that. I don't think there's going to be an unbreakable three-way tie. All right. So if Moxley wins... Uh, Oh, okay. Uh, if Jay White wins that match, then Goto wins the block again. So I, I think it's a safe bet. Goto's not winning, right? Um, if if uh, Shingo wins, then it's uh, if Naito wins, Moxley wins the block. If White wins, then White wins the block. So to me, that screams Juice wins. That screams tight. Or uh, Shingo wins. That screams. Naito wins. That's that. There's your path. There's your winning path right there, kids, um, for Block B. Yep, totally agree with you there. Let's talk about the match itself, Juice against John Moxley. So we're both predicting Juice for a win here and possibly to challenge for the US title at some point. Of course, he can't challenge for it in the States because Moxley's not allowed to work there for New Japan. Um, but you'd imagine a rematch down the line. Do you think that's something they go straight to or do you think we might see some other challenges for John Moxley. And also, That's- let's bear in mind that if Naito does win the G1, then Moxley has uh, a claim to a briefcase challenge, one that would make sense at King of Pro Wrestling. So he right. might have his hands full. Yeah. Would I'm going to give me a percentage. Would AEW have the guts to have John Moxley show up their TV tapings in October with that US title? And have Juice Robinson come down. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, all right. What, I mean, listen, we know that you're not going to have him defend the title he, he, you know, on a New Japan show in the States. 
that doesn't necessarily mean that he can't show up at AEW. What it? What? That would be tremendous. So, am I right in saying there's a Moxley Kenny Omega match coming up? Uh, I think that's the, where they're looking. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's been booked or not, but um, I mean, that's so after that match. Juice coming down and attacking Moxley. Oh, that'd be great. I would love. I that. mean, just say, wouldn't that be nice? It's never going to happen, but. Um, yeah, I think Juice wins, sets up uh, a challenge, and I think he uh, eventually walks away with the strap. Okay, so maybe that will likely to happen at destruction. Um, okay, so then Goto versus Shingo. We're both predicting a Shingo win, Shingo to spoil Goto, which words put Shingo on eight points and Goto staying at ten points. This, again, looks stylistically Shingo written all over it because yeah. these are his best type of matches where just a, a fuckload of sweaty beefy lariats and i think this match is going to rock that's gonna be great it's gonna be fucking tremendous and i think it's going to be very similar to what we saw with ishii maybe not on that level neck and neck but it's it'll be it'll be in that ballpark um and, and again a big stage goto i'm sure will have some working shoes on i think it'll be great and uh yep and that's saying something, Shingo, getting two big wins over two big heavyweights. How about that? That that That's something we can all fucking smile about. And then the main event would be Tetsuya Naito versus Jay White. And the way we predicted it, the winner goes through to the final to face we've predicted to be Kota Ibushi. So what are your expectations going into this Naito-White match? What do you think is the ceiling on it in terms of snowflakes? I think it would be great. I think, I, 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 you know, I, I'm trying to be realistic and I'm trying, but I'm also trying to be optimistic too. I think the ceiling is four and a half. I think that's the ceiling. Now, can it be better? Yeah, I do. I think, I think the building might do it. It really depends on if we get fucking bullshit or not. I'm going to be honest. I hate to say it. I'm, I'm laying it all on the fucking line. If we get bullshit, it's your ceiling is four and a half. If we don't get bullshit, you could be higher. That's the honest to God truth. I'm imagining some sort of situation where Gato is interfering and then we get Bushi running down to mist Gato in the face to a big oh. baby face pop. Um, really? You're going to hate that. <laughs> I am going to hate it. Not, not, not there. I don't the, want it I there. I think the fans would love it. Okay. I'm, you're asking me. You know what I mean? Um, Joel, dude, would you really want that? Would you want all that I bullshit? Don't, I don't want it. What I would like, ideally, is Jay White being so cocky that he says to Gato, you, you head back. You take it easy for this one. I don't need you here. I'm going to beat Naito all by myself to silence the critics. But I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I would. I would take. I swear, I would take Jay White pinning Naito one two three and fucking winning the block over bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Naito overcome. You know what I mean? Here comes Bushi. Great. They brawl. They they brawl up the aisle. Then here you know. And then Red Shoes get, get, throws out. Like oh, I don't know if I want all that. I really don't know if I want all that. I hope not. I I really hope not. Yeah. Um, in terms of the outcome, I've given all my reasons why I think Naito wins the G1 because I just don't think 
you're going to read. I don't think Okada's losing the title before Wrestle Kingdom, and I don't think you're going to do re, you're going to redo Okada Ibushi at the Dome. So I think Okada Naito is the match to make, which means Naito wins this and then goes on to beat Ibushi in Monday's final. I do hear a lot of people saying that they think Jay White could win, and then White versus Ibushi is another protected match, but. Again, for the reasons I've outlined, I don't think White's winning the G1. I don't think Ibushi's winning the G1 because those are not protected matches. They are not fresh matches for Okada come January 4th. So I'm firmly picking Naito to win this and Naito to win the G1. Agree 100%. I think uh, finals will see Ibushi, or excuse me, I, I think it's going to be um, Okada but um, and, and Naito pinning Okada, getting the win, getting the briefcase, getting the trophy, getting the contract, and getting the win over the champion. I think it's uh, a menage a trois of, uh, of wins for Naito. And off to Wrestle Kingdom we go! Now, we do have to touch on the possibility that Naito doesn't win. Because guest music says, scale from 1 to 10, how mad are you guys going to be when Naito doesn't win? Personally, Zero. I'm not going to be mad. Hey, just for the... Uh, I've said it before. Just for the absolute meltdown that would be inevitable and i don't think it would be the right move to book that but if it does happen you know we are both going straight on twitter are we not oh i'll i'll, I'll make a special appearance i'll make a special appearance because i can't wait to see all the i'm canceling my subscription some Fucking... people were telling me that they canceled their subscription after moxley beat naito <laughs> right right oh but i mean look they are they they are a passionate group, those LIJ fans. They are a passionate group. Um, and here's the thing, too. They've been told to wait, and they've been told to wait, and they have been told to wait, and they have been given a little taste of a title, and then they've taken it right off, and they've been told to wait, <laughs> and they've been told to wait. Uh, their patience, you would think, and especially after the start of the G1 when they were having fucking a meltdown. And there were people that were sticking true. I saw a couple people that were holding true, and they were like, you know what? We're not giving up the, the, the uh, giving up any hope. Can, this can still happen. And th- that's a payoff. And just like you described before, we're going to bring you down as low as you can go. And when you think there is no more hope, out of the ashes rises your hero, your boy, chest pump and fist to the sky. Uh, so if they did do that, I think it's a mistake. Uh, I, I don't know how I don't know how you overcome from that. <laughs> no, this, this <laughs> you know, is last point, chance saloon for Naito, isn't it? Right. It really. If I mean, he, if he doesn't it, win this G one, then he's not getting it. He's not getting it ever. He's not your guy. How how's that? And I said it before. I said if he if he doesn't, I don't know what if he stays with the company. Why why would he? At that point, why why would he? Um, yeah, this we, is he's this... done this dance with Nakamura before, saying, "Oh, this has got to be the mm-hmm. year that Nakamura mm-hmm. wins the G one and mm-hmm. wins at Tokyo Dome." This has just never happened. Yep. And here's the thing: there's only so much patience people do have, right? It's not like this is like a guy who's just strolled into the promotion and uh, you know he hasn't gotten the fucking title in three months. This is this isn't the guy we're talking about. We're talking a guy who. Big main events. I mean, look, there's not a person alive that didn't think. Well, I can't say not a person alive, but the majority of the people in that Tokyo Dome, when Naito took that fucking Rainmaker, 
they were shocked because we everybody was was like, oh, he's winning the title here. Didn't happen. And then the next year it was, well, yeah, we're not we're not going that route. And everybody was pointing, well, two thousand twenty. This is that's that's the year. That's everybody's okay. And all all the roads are leading that way. But boy, oh boy, they pull the fucking rug from out from under. There's only so much, you know. This is not. This is not. Again, 1980, where you know there's not a lot of people will fucking bail. Like like we joke about it. People say I'm canceled. People will fucking bail because if you're along the ride the the entire trip, this is your payoff, and you got to get that payoff because if not, eventually your guy is a fucking geek, right? I don't think he's a geek. I don't think they should put him as a geek. But if he loses, he's a fucking geek. We both predicted a Naito Ibushi G1 Climax final. This would be the fourth match that they've had this year. Does that frighten you a little bit in as much as you know what these guys are like? And knowing that they have to top their previous three matches this year and on the stage of a G1 Climax final, there's going to be some crazy shit here. Yep. Yep. Hey, go for it, kids. Not to do do what you think is right. Yeah, there's uh, look if you don't if you get squeamish at that, probably you're gonna watch, you know, your eyeballs go through watch your finger. Go you watch SummerSlam having a nice safe match with Seth Rollins. Yeah, I hate to say it, but that's the honest to God truth. Because if it's if it's it's if it's a Bushi Naito again, uh, fucking strap you, yourselves in. Yep, you're gonna see some dangerous spots. Uh, so. I mean, just just warning you in advance. Uh, to me, I say go for it, kids. Go go, fucking do what you do best. And be safe. Thoughts and prayers. The whole nine yards. Uh, but go for it, man. Fucking go balls to the wall because that's, that's what we expect from you. I hate to say it, but you know, that might not be a good thing. But we, we know it's coming, so you might as well fucking get it over with. Amen. Uh, one more question before we get out of here. Drew says, is the G1 too predictable? No. Uh, how? I mean, listen, we, we just went through the fucking diagram that some person decided, you know, and even we got, you know, no. No, that's not predictable. Not even though, just to play devil's advocate here, from day one, both of us have been saying we think Naito is going to win the G1, and then we're on the eve of the block finals, and we're still saying we think Naito is going to win the G1, and I think he's the odds-on favorite. Does that right. not speak? somewhat to drew's point okay but that's because we watch every show and and we and here's the thing we could be dead wrong number one number two um we you know we i don't want to look i think i think we were on board from the jump but it's not like there weren't passionate lij fans you know after naito picks up loss number three that were shitting their pants shaking their head getting on twitter i can't believe this fucking shit you know no they're, they're it's not that predictable and here's the thing they've done everything in their power to to get you off the scent they really have they've done everything in their power to get you off the scent um we're just fucking idiots that obsess over this dumb shit so you know <laughs> your best bet would be don't listen to us <laughs> Don't don't go online. Just watch the shows because if you because if you're that type of fan, then you're probably you know even more surprised than than even a lot of us. So no, I don't think it's that predictable. 
All right, so uh, let's get out of here then and give the plugs. Discord, you can join the chat and get in that live event spoiler zone to talk about these G1 Climax block finals as they happen. You can find the link to the Discord in the show notes. Buy one of our t-shirts, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash superjcasts. Uh, massive thank you to Andrew T. Rich, who is going to edit and upload this oh. for us. And you can follow him on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich and his excellent podcast, Music of the Mat, which is one of my f- absolute favorites to listen to. And also thank you to editor Dan, who usually does amazing work for us. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Escape the Box UK because there's some exciting new projects coming from him. Please subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And give us a five snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the Super J Thank you everybody for listening and goodbye. 